Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome to this episode of uh, Xenoforce Reborn. I'm your host, Doug Bendo, and today we have another exciting episode of Xenoforce Reborn. So... This is going to be more of a short uh, episode. Um, this is not going to be a long one. This is more of like an intermediate thing. Like basically, it's one of those kind of things where I've got some time. I thought, why not sit up here and talk about some of the things that we're working on, some of the things that we're doing, um, and not necessarily make this an official episode. So sometimes I do these kind of things. I simply just have time on my hands, and I'm like, why not sit up here and bulk out the episodes, you know, if it were, um, from a uh, audio standpoint. And the, uh, reasoning for that is it, it really just comes down to having, you know, substance. Um, a lot of times when you do podcasting and stuff like that, people don't even want to start listening to what you have going on until you literally have, you know, like we'll say anywhere from, um, you know, uh, 20 to 50 to a hundred episodes in, I mean like that, that's how it works sometimes. So, uh, you normally don't catch on, until you start doing more and more and more. And then as you have a consistency, people listen to something that they like, then they dive into a lot of your other stuff. So think of this as just adding to the pile, if you will, of what's already out there. Now, I believe we're already about four to six episodes in, so realistically, this is nothing different. And I still have to sit up here and post up what I called the goodies um, in regards to uh, the audio that I had sent Ryan where we sat up here and talked about you know, like X, Y, and Z dealing with Nod, and I think Scren was the other one. So, um, I haven't forgotten that. I just haven't posted it yet, simply because I want to give it some breathing room between um, this and that. Uh, keep in mind that also, though, come this uh, Friday, you are going to have a live episode uh, where you guys are going to be able to chime in and stuff like that. And um, I do encourage you guys to actually come. And the reason to why you want to come is because you're going to be able to sit up here and talk about, you know, mod development with us, uh, the Earth Federation, what's going down on that end, and and how does it all play out and make everything fun? You know, how, how does that actually work? So, you know, I'm pretty impressed with where things are going. Um, I am. And uh, this is just how, uh, how we use, you know, an alternate outlet to reach out to you guys and let you know what's going down in, you know, the course of what's actually going down. So right now me and Ryan are basically at the development stage of about three or about, I'm sorry, about to actually, I was looking at something here about to, uh, beginning, uh, a brand new release, um, for you guys. Okay. So we are basically in, in the midst of, of beginning to actually package this up for you. Uh, we're just trying to figure out what are the last things that we need to tie up. Uh, we plan to do it, I think, February 1st. That's what we want to do. Right now, we're projecting February 1st. And I, I know that um, for some of you, this has been a long time coming. Because some of you are thinking back, you know, oh, I thought November we'd get something. Or like like last year, we were going to get something, you know, like mid-last year. And, you know, what happened basically was 
we decided that we were not going to do an, an official release unless we got the Earth Federation back into the game. Um, so the fact is, we got done with Nod. Nod made lots of progress. And then what happened after the progress that it had made, uh, we had basically decided that it was incomplete without having an Earth Federation there because you guys already knew what the Earth Federation was. You know, so... In a sense, it was kind of stupid to sit up here and say, oh, you know, let's take out the Earth Federation, give these guys a new release, and then listen to, like, you know, a thousand plus people come and bother us about, hey, where'd the Earth Federation go? Where'd the Earth Federation go? Da 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 You know, and, and we just didn't want to hear it. So we decided, okay, what we'll do is we'll, you know, basically do a repackaging, you know, of what we had and we'll simply just come up with a brand new system that works for the Earth Federation. Now, I had talked about in the last episode um, in regards to the Earth Federation and some of the changes that we actually made. Um, and I know for some of you, it's not going to be the changes that you want to see. Um, I can tell you that right now. Um, and we are looking at alternatives to how we're going to be able to make things work for you. Um, I know that a lot of people are going to base their experiences off of the previous Earth Federation and be like, all right, I got my Gundam X. All right, I got my Gundam Seed. All right, I got my Gundam UC. I'm so good. You know, in, in this installment, you're actually only going to have Gundam UC. That's the first thing that you need to understand. Um, there is no Gundam X. There is no Gundam Seed. There is no Gundam Wing. There's no none of that stuff. It really is just Universal Century. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, is that we did sit up here and decide to cap the, uh, you know, cap the, the gauge of mobile suit assortment. Um, and we capped it heavily and there were reasons for that, you know, and, uh, one of the biggest reasons to why we had to end up ultimately doing that is because it honestly just didn't make a lot of sense to have a spread out timeline. It didn't. Um, and let me explain how, how it all worked. Okay, effectively, with the new system that we have, it, it in no way, shape, or form makes sense to jump through, I want to, you know, j jump through what I'd like to say are, you know, um, moments of mobile suit evolution with the UC Earth Federation forces. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. And the reason why it doesn't make a lot of sense is because you're not facing any other faction that does anything remotely close to that, you know, and this is the thing that you have to understand about Gundam. If you are a person who likes Gundam, and if you're a person who likes, you know, the Earth Federation, you have to realize the Earth Federation goes through massive, and I'm talking massive reconstruction projects throughout its history as an Earth Federation. Now, it would be one thing if we were talking, you know, every 30 to 50 years as an Earth Federation, they make these changes. But you're talking about like every three to four years, the Earth Federation tends to go through reconstruction, uh, you know, uh, projects where basically it starts off with the concept of wanting to be like this, but then pivots over to that and then wants to be like that, but then pivots over to this and then so on and so forth. You know, um, we realized this, especially when we started talking about, 
uh, the concept of the core fighter. You know, I think I went through like a very lengthy audio with Ryan. It was in multiple installments about the core fighter. I'm not even joking around about this. Like, like literally, I think it was like, it might've been like four or five, like hour long audios about the core fighter, you know, but we went through a very lengthy audio. And basically what we ultimately did is we broke it down by, you know, the concept of, you know, mobile suit evolution. And the reality is this, is that if you look at the earth federation, the earth federation has the sum of its technology by the time frame of 0083. It does. That's just, it's, it's like a sweet spot in its, you know, in its, uh, in its inception as, um, you know, as, as the earth federation, you know, uh, like 0083 is basically, I would say it's, it's Zenith, um, of its existence. And, and I'm talking technologically here. I'd probably honestly say probably saying militarily too, but technologically, definitely, um, it is. I mean, like it, it, just about every type of core fighter you are going to have is going to exist by that time in the Gundam universe, uh, of universal century, you know, now I'm talking type of core fighter type. I'm not talking the actual core fighter itself. Okay. So like, for example, if you go to, you know, all the way out to Crossbone Gundam, you know, and you say, hey, what about, what about Crossbow Gundam and their core fighters? You didn't see those in 0083, did you? Well, no, you didn't, but you did see a type of it. Okay. You, you definitely did. That would be uh GP04. There you go. GP04, which you don't even get to see GP04. You only get to see the schematics of it, you know, or someone were to sit up here and say, hey, what about, you know, uh, Zeta Gundam, you know, in, in, in the type of, you know, effective frame system that it uses. Well, you, you see that with GP00, you know, it's a transformable fighter. Like, in other words, if you watch Gundam enough, you'll find that a lot of these concepts are rehashed methods. That's what they are. I mean, like, all you got to do is just like, seriously, look at, look at the, uh, the GM series. Look at the GM series. You know, you start off with a GM-79 in Gundam, then you go to a GM, you know, uh, you know, a GM-2, and then you end up going to some, like, GM-3, you know, and, and the only thing that really sets them apart is technically the time period that you see them in. Or more importantly, what really sets them apart is the ability for the animators to animate better. You know, it's not a coincidence that if you sit up here and watch the original, you know, Mobile Suit Gundam back in 1979, and then you go to watch Zeta Gundam, that you have two total different styles of animation. You know, Zeta Gundam vastly more refined than the original Gundam series. You know, that that is just a reality. Um, and, you know, it, it just is what it is from that standpoint, you know, which is not a big deal. But that's partly why you even have a GM2 in the first place. You know, it's just, it comes down to, they became better animators at the time, and why not sit up here and take a piece that is being reanimated and dub it a Mark II or a Mark III or whatever, because it looks so much better that we can pull that off. You know, and, and that's what you're talking about. And there were a lot of conflicts that we had with those kind of concepts, because from a standpoint of you know, uh, developing a faction, you know, we got caught into the whole, well, you have these mobile suits 
that go down these timelines of evolution, and we could follow those timelines of evolution, but here's the, the kickback from doing so. You know, you in many cases, you have incomplete incomplete timelines, you know, where you simply just jump from one mobile suit here in terms of type to another mobile suit type, and it just doesn't make any sense. And then you have mobile suits based on the concept of redundancy, you know. So, like, for example, if you were to talk about the GM Sniper 2, okay, the GM Sniper 2 is a fantastic, you know, mobile suit uh, for the Earth Federational Forces. Fantastic mass-produced mobile suit. All right. But when you talk about the GM Sniper 2 and, and how the unit actually portrays itself uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, what happens is it basically is halted in the timeline and then switches over to Nemo. Like, that's the pre-production concept of what happens with the GM Sniper 2. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that Nemo was nothing like the GM Sniper 2. However, this is what they wanted to go with, you know, as an official type of, you know, uh, Gundam, uh, Gundam story. And from the standpoint of, I want to say, mobile suit production, labeling, and stuff like that, that makes no sense, you know, in terms of faction development. Like, if you're going to have a, a mini bar, okay, okay, a, a tasking mini bar, and you're going to produce units from that, okay, to a degree, from a development standpoint, you want a certain level of cohesion. You know, you want icons to match names, you want icons to match, um, you know, uh, supporting icons in terms of if you're talking about the concept of tech powers and stuff like that. Like, like in other words, there's a certain level of organization that you want to have, okay, that feels right versus there's a certain level of disorganization that feels wrong. And, you know, truth be told, when you, when you get to like, you know, GM Sniper 2, and then you're going to go through some evolutionary steps, and then it's going to become Nemo. Well, the question becomes, why, A, why is it called Nemo? B, what correlation do you have there between the two? And C, ultimately, what do you gain from it? You know, and, and as we went through and asked ourselves these questions, we realized... You know, Earth Feder the Earth Federation player was not gaining much from making a jump from the GM Sniper, you know, uh, two to Nemo. There, there just wasn't anything there. I mean, granted, there were different types of technologies. You could talk about, you know, the maneuverable frame. You could sit up here and talk about, you know, um, the composite armors and stuff like that. You could talk about all those kind of things. But in reality, it just doesn't play out on the battlefield in the way that you think it would. And then the other thing was, you know, supporting animations. Like, you had to look at animation support. So, when you when you go to say, oh, the Nemo is a better version of the GM Sniper 2, well, where's the proof? Like, where's the stock animation that proves that this thing is actually a better unit? I mean, there's, there's plenty, oh, I'm sorry, there's plenty of stock animation that shows that the GM Sniper Canine is better than a stock GM Sniper 2. There's that. But there isn't really 
supporting animation showing that a Nemo is any better than a GM Sniper, you know, too. There just isn't, you know. And we go beyond that. You start talking about, uh, you know, second-hand continuities like video games and stuff like that, which I would arguably say, in many respects, become the primary continuities. Okay, because Gundam has heavily invested itself into game simulations and stuff like that, so you can get a very fair readout of how mobile suits are supposed to be on the battlefield. Okay, so like, for example, if you're a person who who uh, dabbles in a PlayStation Portable or a PlayStation 2, then you know there are plenty of Gundam games that you can play, you know, that you can take part in and have fun with. And you also know, based on that, that from the standpoint of, you know, um, of an accurate form of, you know, portrayal, The GM Sniper 2 is a fairly well-balanced uh, unit, but it's also an excellent, and I mean excellent, mass produ- production. I'm sorry, not mass-produced, but mass-production uh, unit, you know, or mass-produced unit. Yeah, I guess you could say it that way, too. Uh, but, but regardless, it is. You know, it really is. And, again, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense um, for us to say, okay, we're going to give up the GM Sniper 2 with all its capabilities so it can evolve into a Nemo. Now, I'm not trying to make this episode about GM Sniper 2 versus Nemo. We could do that some other day. I'm not going to do that. I could probably do like a whole hour, maybe two or three or five on that. But um, there are, I want to say, advantages with the Nemo class. There are, okay? And, and I will throw that out there, um, just, you know, uh, bluntly, there are advantages to the Nemo class, but not in the way that would make a logical form of evolution from a GM sniper to a Nemo unit. Okay, because the truth is is that you miss too much um, within the initial stage of Nemo's development. Now, if you want to talk about, you know, like the G Defender being attached to it and, you know, giving it its Super Gundam phase, or Super Nemo in this case, then yeah, we could sit up here and talk about those things. I mean, that would be different. But otherwise, yeah, we're not really going to be talking about Nemo being a superior unit. And that's something that I I just want to throw out there. Um, the other thing is, is that even if you were to step away from something like the GM Sniper 2, okay, and if you were just to talk about like the RGM, you know, like 79, or the GM 79, or, you know, um, GM 79 ground type, you know, in the one-year war, you have a ton of different just mobile suits. You got a ton of them. I mean, like we're talking talking like a whole plethora of just ground-based grunt frontline mobile suits. So as you go through the the concept of a mecha evolution, there are two things that you have to ask yourself. Thing number one is what mobile suits work as an opening-based, you know, uh, system? Like, 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 which ones work really well for an opening system based on their stats and stuff like that? And then second, what you have to ask yourself is, what are you going to follow it up with? 
And what's going to be followed up after that? And again, these became some of the bigger issues that we ran into. Because what we realized with the Earth Federation is, is that it is true you could follow up on, you know, some of these mobile suits with other mobile suits, which, you know, we do that, obviously, with our mission script system. Okay. But the problem is, is how... How do you do it within a proper increment? And then how many times does that increment have to relive itself? You know, like this is like one of the the realities of dealing with the Earth Federation and its mobile suit selection. You know, there's so much of it. And then what you have to do is you have to go beyond the so much of it and say, okay, if we were to go through a passive form of evolution where you go from this to this to this to that and the other, all right, then from a placeholding standpoint, which mobile suits are going to fit the bill? Which ones do? You know, and then it also comes into question, which would technically be the third question that you'd have to ask yourself, then how long are these mobile suits going to exist on the battlefield? In their lesser advanced forms, going into their more advanced forms. So, like, as you guys prep for the release that you're going to get, these are the kind of things I need you guys to understand. Okay? These are the kind of things that you need to understand. It's not always a case of, do you want to have this unit in the game because you like it? Or do you want to sit up here and, and put these units in the game because they're they're going to give a great presentation? Sometimes it comes down to how long of a presentation do they have in the game based on the system that you have in terms of the mechanism of, of, of driving the faction and its main narratives, but also... It also comes down to what do they contribute as an existing piece? You know, so again, we go back to the whole GM theory, you know, that I think is very, very important here. Okay, we go back to the whole GM theory. And in the GM theory, here's how it works. All right. If you have a GM 79, okay, GM 79. And let's say it has 15, just for the sake of the conversation, let's say that it has, uh, you know, 15 um, on its attack, and it has 14 on its armor. Okay, let's just say hypothetically that's what it is. We're just going to go with basic basic uh, numbers here, all right? Are you really going to go to a GM command unit, which is going to have 15 on its attack, and then 15 on its armor. With some high performance and mobility. Are you really going to do that? Does that really make sense? Understand the attack ability is still the same, it's just the armor that's increased, along with, of course, the the mobility that's slightly increased as well. And then let's say we go to a GM Sniper 2 after that. In the GM Sniper 2 frame, you get 17 on your attack, and you get 17 on your um, on your armor. 
Okay, so your defense is 17, your attack is 17, and you still keep the high mobility. Again, incrementally, does that make sense? Like, like in other words, you went from a GM-79 to a GM Command to a GM Sniper 2. You know. And then let's say that we fast forward all the way to a GM-3. Let's say we fast forward all the way to a GM-3. So, with a GM-3, what you end up getting is you end up getting, we'll say, 21 on the defense, but maybe we say 19 on the attack. That, that That's what you get. Okay? Now, granted, the GM3 is a bit more significant, all right? It is a bit more significant, right? You, you would say, you'd say so. Because you'd be saying, okay, Doug, well, you are jumping from 17 to 21 in terms of defense, and you're jumping from 19, or jumping from 17 to 19 on the attack. Okay, and, and that's true. There is a level of significance there. I'm not, not gonna deny that whatsoever. Here's what I'm also gonna say though. How many mobile suits are we going through to get to a GM Three. So an RGM 86, you know, GM3, how many mobile suits do we have to go through? Well, to begin with, we go through the, the GM Customs, all right? And if we go with the GM Customs, a GM Customs is equivalent to a Gundam. Like, it's a GM that literally is equivalent to a Gundam. So it would already have the defense of 21, would it not? It would already have that, if that's what the Gundam had. And then its attack would obviously be, you know, based on the weapon type that you have. Which, let's just say for the sake of the conversation, its attack is 17. Let's just say for the sake of the conversation, that's what it is. It's 17. So now we've gone through GM-79, GM-Command, GM-Sniper... You know, Sniper 2. We go to a GM Customs. Alright. And we're now at an armor of, or defense of, 21. But, um, we have an, you know, basically an, an attack of 17. So then we get to the, the Power GM. Okay. We go to the Power GM. Now, with the Power GM, you know, you know, that unit there has, heavy armor, you know, you're, you're talking at least, uh, 21, the way that unit works again. And in terms of firepower, well, you can arm it with whatever you want. So let's say that we actually get to literally a 21 on firepower because it has the ability to carry that extra armament. Okay. Now keep in mind the the RGM 86 GM3 that we talked about was what? It was 21 on its defense and it was 19 on its attack. Well, the power GM just simply overrode that in a heartbeat. You know, it did. And this is the point of, of what I'm trying to get out um, in terms of, of what I'm saying. It is true that you can have superior mobile suit development. That, that is true. 
throughout the time frame of Gundam. All right. And it is also true that you get, you know, perks in different timelines of Gundam. But here's the problem that you run into. It's the simple outlook of how it works that doesn't gel well with a passive form of evolution with the Earth Federation. So, when I gave you the, the selection of mobile suits that you have here, okay, which we're inching closer to a GM3, but we're not even there yet. You know, we're at a power GM, GM79, you know, stage. You've already hit, essentially, GM3 status. Okay, you get a 17 on the attack if it's using a baseline, you know, uh kinetic rifle. That's what you're getting. If you give the GM uh, GM Customs a bazooka, or you give it a beam rifle, which it can use, then you, you've hit that 21 mark. I mean, you're 21 and 21. So again, it, it comes down to this. By the time of 0083, you already have basically hashed out exactly overall mobile suit or mobile suit performance from the Earth Federation that you're going to see for the next, shall we say, um, 20 to, you know, 20 to 30 years. It's already locked in. And, and that was something that me and Ryan realized. We realized as we went through and did stuff that like, basically, yeah, your, your mobile suits really are locked in at a certain, at a certain date, at a certain time. Like, there, there really is no way to get around this unless you want to start going for mobile armors, which is a different story in and of itself. And based on how we were, you know, balancing out the equation, we had chosen not to go with mobile armors. So, one of the real interesting, um, one of the real interesting things that we, that we had from a, a, a gameplay perspective was basically trying to consolidate the concept of GM deployment. Like, in other words, we understood that the player didn't need to have a GM Sniper 2 and a GM Command Unit and a GM 79 and a GM, you know, uh, 79C, Kaya, and a, you know, GM, you know, 79 in, or our GM 79 in, I'm sorry, uh, customs or a RGM 79 ground type, you know, and I could go on and on, you know, we're not even talking about sniper customs or, or interceptors or, or aqua based units or, you know, policing units or whatever. And, and we still haven't even brought up like the conversation of gun cannon or gun tank or anything to that effect, you know? So in reality, as, as we go through this conversational piece here, um, what I'm wanting you guys to basically understand is that there's a way to do this and there is a way not to do this. Okay. And for me, that was really, really important. You know, um, my attitude about this was not to basically set the Earth Federation up in a way where the Earth Federation player would have such a vast selection of mobile suits that they would get caught in a scenario where, which one do I pick and why do I pick it? And 
if I do invest in this mobile suit and I do this form of evolution, why am I only making incremental gains versus making real long-term gains? So we understood right away where this was actually going to go and and how this was going to impact the the game overall. You know, we, we saw that um, in this. So we did decide to scale back on the uh, on the units, and um, we decided to go with some core units. And the reason why we went with these core units is because these units really did represent. Um, the backbone of the Earth Federation in terms of their variety. So we went with a uh, GM Sniper 2, we went with the GM Customs, and we went with the GM Kaya. That's what we did. Now, you might be saying, well, Doug, I, I highly doubt that a GM Sniper 2, a GM Customs, and a GM Kaya represent the Earth Federation's whole mobile suit assortment. And I would say, hold your horses, because you're right, it doesn't. So... The way it works is that you have two, two, I want to say, uh, capital ship classes. You have your Pegasus and you have your Big Tray class, okay? And the Pegasus class is what uses the Sniper 2, the Custom, and the, and the Kaya. Now, what we decided to do was, again, work off of a scripting system that allows for the player to bonus off of the success of their missions. And a success in a way where the player is able to call in and effectively use other mobile suit support from a gameplay scenario. So, it is true you start off with a GM Kaya, but on success of your mission, you get a deployment of a powered GM. It is true, you can start off with a GM Customs, but on success of your mission, you end up getting a GM Quell. Or, it's true, you start off with, you know, a GM Sniper, and then on success of your mission, you get the GM Canine. Sniper. Or the sni- Sniper Canine, I'm sorry. That's what you get there. So, th- there's a certain way in which this works for the player. Um, and, and we really tried to hammer home in on that, which was basically allowing the player to be set up in a way where they could be successful from a gameplay perspective. While having a decent variety, and the key thing is decent variety, of uh, mobile suits um, that really allowed for the player to get a a taste of the Earth Federation while still not being bogged down in the you know the politicking I guess you could say of you know government contracts of pointless GMs that obviously do nothing for the actual faction. So there's a certain science that we had to go through to you know you know to get to this point. And it, it took some long deliberations. It did. Um, because there were other mobile suits that didn't make the cut that would have been great additions. Um, and, you know, like, for example, we wiped out our entire Jagan line. We did. And I still have a hard time believing that we did that. Um, because the Jagan was such an, an amazing unit, and we had the models for it, 
we had everything for it, you know? Um, the, the Jagan was like a prime candidate. But the problem was, it just didn't serve a purpose in the way that we wanted it to serve a purpose. It just didn't do that. Now, I will say this. Um, we actually only did part, part, and I mean part, of what we had set out to do um, when it came to the scripting. Because when we first started the scripting uh, system a couple years, or not a couple years, but like a year or so, year and a half back or so, um, when I had delivered it to Ryan as the concept for the Earth Federation, uh, I did actually have the Jagans in play as a kind of mobile suit, you know, um, strike force that the player could have. So I don't know ultimately if we are going to enact that or not. You know, that that's one thing I I honestly don't know. Um, and, and that's uh, one of the things that me and him really haven't talked about. We haven't talked about the Jagans throughout this entire time. Not one of us has mentioned the word Jagan. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be the first one to do it, or if he's supposed to be the first one to do it, or if we're supposed to see it as just water under a bridge, you know, um, not sure, not sure at all. So we do have to hit up on that front, um, in terms of how we plan to do, I want to say like, you know, a, uh, a kind of strike force or a kind of, um, you know, um, support power that's just done in the form of a Jagan rather than a GM, you know, uh, so on and so forth. Like those are the kind of things that, yeah, we, we do ultimately have to look at if we're going to bring them back into the game. I would like to bring them back into the game. I would, uh, but it's just got to make sense. I mean, like it's clear me and him don't have a desire to go with GM's past, um, 0083. We just don't. I just, there's, there's no reason to do that. Um, like the GM, you know, uh, the RGM 86, uh, GM three, it's just not, it's not worth it. it. It really isn't, you know, and, and we've, we've toyed with that thing long enough and we, we both agree. It's just a waste of, of just talent. That's what it is. Because it doesn't offer anything at all. It, it just doesn't. Um, same thing with Nemo. It's like, why would you use Nemo? It's it's a, it's a rehash of, of the same old system, just created by a different faction that was adopted by the Earth Federation. And that's basically it. Yep, that's Nemo. You know. Uh, and, gr- and granted, it's this is not a Gerba Terra moment, okay? Okay, uh, so, like, when you look at Gerba... Um, uh, Gerba Terra, which is GPO4... And how, you know, Amahine Electronics uh, allowed, you know, um, Cameron's Xeonic faction to purchase it and then, you know, retool it in the form of a, a Xeonic mobile suit. Um, this is not a Gerber Terra moment that we're talking here, okay? This is not some like, hey, we are going to adopt this concept because this concept here is a, you know, dominating concept that if we do this you gain so much more as a faction out of it. That's that's not how this goes at all. It's not, you know. And this is just one of those realities that you got to kind of face and go, ah, you know what? Yeah, I like what we can do with Nemo, but we don't need Nemo. 
I like the fact that we can do this with the GM3, but honestly, we don't need the GM3. You know, we just don't need these mobile suits um, and their their given abilities. And um, this is one of the reasons to why uh, we nixed uh, everything after 0083. Um, so, you know, I, I was the one actually in the, um, in the, uh, beginning that went to, uh, Ryan and said, listen, we don't need new Gundam. We just don't. Um, there's just no need to have new Gundam. I mean, like if, if you think about what we're doing, okay. And, and, and think about it in its entirety, you're going to go through an evolutionary stage if you have not been able to defeat your enemy by the time that you've acquired GPO-1, GPO-2, and GPO-3, if you can't defeat your enemy with GPO-1, 2, and 3, then what difference is New Gundam going to make? Like, seriously, when you think about it, what difference does New Gundam make? And, you know, Ryan sat there, he thought about it, and he's like, yep, yeah, you're right. You're right. Just, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it really doesn't. And the problem with New Gundam is, again, it's the timeline that you're working with. It, it is the timeline. That's the problem with New Gundam. The issue that you run into with New Gundam is literally the timeline that it works with, which is, you're talking about, like, 0090 plus. That's what you're talking. You know, 0090 plus. And just, that's effectively quite a bit of ways from 0083. You're talking like 10 years, well, not even 10 years. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. I think, yeah, it is about 10 years. Yeah, 10 years after uh, 0083. You know, in, in 10 years, in terms of Gundam and their mobile suit development, they had it, you know, but you're talking some Gundam Sentinel stuff and whatnot, and we didn't want to get into that. You know, there was nothing really to bridge except for that GM. Yeah. Here we go again. RGM 86 GM3. Uh, there was nothing really to bridge that either. And that was another problem. You know, and as we looked at it more and more and more, it, it just, it became more burdensome to try to even go that route. So when we realized that eliminating new Gundam would eliminate needing to go down that path, we also realized we weren't gaining anything from Gundam Mark II. I mean, like, seriously, what do you gain from Gundam Mark II? Gundam Mark II is not more powerful than Gundam GPO-1 Fulvernian. It's not more powerful than that. Um, it definitely can't beat, you know, GPO-2. And it's not going to stand a chance against GPO-3 either. So, the the question becomes... Why do you need a Gundam Mark II? In fact, if you were to go and watch the stock animation footage of Zeta Gundam, you'd find out the Gundam Mark II is not superior to the GM Customs. You know, so here we are sitting down looking at this, and we're like, okay, so Gundam Mark II crossed off the list. You know, I mean, like, that's just the reality of it. You know, Gundam Mark II is now crossed off the list because it couldn't meet the cut. You know, and, and the cut became more and more defined that, like, everything you need in Gundam is wrapped up in Gundam 00, 
Gundam, you know, zero one, Gundam zero two, Gundam zero three, and Gundam zero four, meaning the GPO project. So GPO zero zero, GPO one, GPO two, GPO three, and GPO four. Those are effectively those are all the different types of mobile suits that you actually have. And then, of course, there was the mechanical aspect of it. Like, in other words, when we implement these things in-game, mechanically, how do they actually fare? And this was another problem that we ran into with New Gundam. New Gundam just mechanically did not fare that well. It didn't. I mean, like, granted, it did do what it was supposed to do, but it didn't fare well in a sense that said, hey, you know what? We ought to keep this. Like, when you look at GPO-1... When you look at GPO2 and you look at GPO3, all three of them are entirely different mobile suits mechanically. Okay. Now, when you talk about GPO4, and keep in mind that it's based off of a Gerber Terra design, okay, or Gerber Terra is based off of its design to be more correct about that, you definitely know that you are not going to look at full Vernian and GPO4 in the same way. They're two totally different mobile suits. Okay. One is made for, you know, fast attack, or fast attack, I'm sorry, you know, high mobility assault, uh, in terms of a, a kind of sprint or burst system, and that's GPO4. Full Vernian is more of a duelist unit. It's, it's a mobility unit that's based on, uh, dueling and what have you not. That's exactly what it is. You know, they're two totally different mobile suits. You can't even begin to compare the two. It'd be the same thing as trying to compare Gerber Terror to Fulvernian. You know, you look at the animations, you definitely can tell one is, you know, high speed, you know, assault, and then the other one is a high mobility um, unit. And, and they're just different, they just serve different roles. So as we went through and realized the roles that we were, were going after that really did make a difference on the battlefield, we quickly came to the conclusion there was no there was no reason to go this route. There just wasn't, you know, regardless of what other people might have thought. There's nothing from a data standpoint that justified going past 0083. Except for maybe your Jenkins. And that's it, you know. And um you know, we have to, like, like I said, on the Jagan front, we just have to figure out what we want to do there. Um, we, again, we haven't talked about it. I don't even know if we are going to talk about it. Uh, I feel like the Earth Federation is going to need a little more fluff, but are the Jagans the way to go? Probably not. They're probably not. Um, and if they are the way to go, they would be used in a limited capacity. Like, that's exactly what you'd be doing. You'd be using it in a highly limited capacity, uh, which makes the jig and the jig and, which is cool. You know, I don't, I don't, I personally, um, don't have a problem with that. Um, because the Jagans are multi-role specialty units. Like, if, if you watch Gundam, then you, you find out that they, they really are. Especially by the time you get to, um, you know, uh, 0095. You know, you see the Jagans doing all sorts of, you know, specialty stuff that, um, you know, support specialty stuff that you don't see baseline GMs doing, you know, which I do think can play a role because they are an entire class and that's why they could play a role in the Earth Federation. But I wouldn't hold my breath on it, okay? Because it really comes down to 
if, you know, me and Ryan can come to an agreement on what those roles would actually be and why the Earth Federation player would actually have them there. You know, so if we were to do something like a Jagan, um, it would definitely have to be more like a, a, uh, covert ops kind of deal, or it would have to be a strike ability or something to that crazy effect. That's exactly what it would have to be if we were going to do Jagan's. But again, I, I don't know if we're really looking at those kind of things. Um, part of it comes down to this. We really haven't flushed out the powers yet for the Earth Federation in terms of what we want to give them. And that does change the, um, it changes the scenario somewhat. It does do that, you know. So, like, from a gameplay perspective, you know, as I look at this, um, and as, as Ryan looks at this, um, we have to look at it from a powers perspective. Like, what supporting powers are we going to give the Earth Federation? Now, I did actually do an audio this morning before I did this one, and I was talking to Ryan about that in terms of how we need to pivot certain aspects to more scripting-based roles and not rely on the traditional roles of doing things. Um, but he clearly hasn't listened to that audio yet. There's no way that he could have gotten done with it simply due to the fact that it was less than an hour ago that I had done that, and... Um, it was an hour and a half long audio. So that right there, like pretty much just tells you everything that, that you need to know from that standpoint. Um, yeah, the time frames just don't, they don't work. So this is the kind of thing where, you know, I look at it and I say to myself, okay, um, we have to go a different, you know, route, uh, to some degree with the earth federation in terms of, doing support powers and stuff like that. The question, of course, becomes just what mobile suit's going to fit that role. And that's where the Jagan might make some actual sense, simply because we don't necessarily need it all to be heavily GM-based. Now, me and him have talked, and uh, just on the gun cannon and gun tank front, they're not part of the design uh, of the Earth Federation. They're not. Um, we did convert the gun tank over to you know, um, a, um, harvesting role. We did do that. Um, that was one thing that we did. And, um, you know, that, that essentially has worked out fine. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's just, like I said, it's, it's one of those things where you've just got to see the reality for what it is in the sense of, you're talking about, you know, significantly, um, you know, altering the composition of, of a faction that is working well. And once when you begin to alter it significantly, what, you know, what problems do you create versus, you know, what problems have you, have you amended? And that's one of the reasons to why we are so tight on our assortment of the Earth Federation now is that, we have the secret sauce. We know what actually works and we know how to make it work. You know, and, and that's one of the real important things here is that, that we have the ability to do that. Um, to go any further and to dump more stuff on top of more stuff is just a burden that I don't know that me and him are ready to actually share. And, um, the other thing is this is that 
you have to keep in mind, we still have, like, AW, and we still have Seed, and we still have Gundam Wing that we have to put into the game. So when you guys get this first build, okay, of our new Earth Federation faction, you want to understand that you're getting the first build of a faction that is working in conjunction with what is to come. Okay, and, and that's that's a little different here that we're talking here. Um, you are talking about a faction that is working in conjunction to what is to come. So we don't know necessarily how when we put, you know, Gundam, you know, CE or Seed into the game, we don't know how that's going to necessarily impact, you know, uh, the Earth Federation as a whole and um, what spots it's going to take. Like, for example, you know, you have the dagger, and what are the advantages to using daggers? Well, daggers are really great when it comes to interchangeable, you know, um, systems. So, for example, if, if you want a faction where you can convert your air units over to your, over to ground units, or can convert ground units over to air units, the dagger makes a lot of sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, like, basically, it is a cheaper way of creating a uh, Veritech fighter or, you know, a, uh, a Valkyrie fighter um, without actually getting into the mechamorphosis, if you will, of, um, of, of that end of things. You know, so... For example, if you're talking about, in this case, uh, a long dagger, okay, and, and what a long dagger offers, you know, a long dagger offers the the player the ability to be able to use, you know, long-range artillery packs um, on a singular unit. It also allows the unit to use... A, or inter-swap it with a jetpack. You know, it allows for that. Um, and it also allows for, you know, just standard operations. Like it, like, it allows for those things. You know, so when we start looking at the flexibility of seed, okay, when we start looking at the flexibility of seed, what you guys have to understand is seed is a highly flexible faction. And... You know, for the most part here, we've talked about UC, and you guys might be thinking, well, wait a minute, he's jumping over to seed now. Well, no, I'm not jumping over to seed as much as I'm trying to tell you this is what we have to look at in contrast to UC. You know, so it, it's not as simple as saying, well, here, let's take the Jagans and put them in the game and use them as support, you know, support power-based units. Because the fact is, we still have to implement seed into the game. You know, and you take the Wyndham, for example. Let's go with the Wyndham, all right? The Wyndham can be interchanged with a jetpack. The Wyndham can be interchanged with a nuclear strike launcher. You know, a tactical nuclear strike launcher. Like, the Wyndham is a pretty impressive unit overall. You know, and it can use an ale pack. It's used an ale pack before, and I believe it can use artillery. I'd have to check on that, but I believe it actually can use artillery. All right. 
And, and that's the Wyndham. So again, we get back to what I'm, to what I'm talking about here, which is the idea that a player has to understand how the Earth Federation is going to work, which is you're going to have a system that is going to be a faction that operates off of a sub-faction clause. And in operating off of a sub-faction clause, mind you, you are going to get certain perks from certain sub-factions. So what we have to make sure is that we don't set the player up in a way where the player, from the outlook, gains a full faction set with the Earth Federation under Universal Century, then going over to, you know, CE or Gundam Seed, we then have to redact, you know, some of those abilities because CE overlapped with it and created a form of redundancy. But in, in the in the given context, CE should have had it in the first place. Do you see where I'm going with this? Like, in other words, we're not trying to take away something from you that we've given you just because another faction was supposed to have it in the first place. And now that they're in, we don't give it to the to the existing faction. We're, we're not trying to do that. Okay, that's one thing we are not trying to do. You know? So, again, um, this is the kind of thing where you, you basically want to think about as you play this installment um, on February 1st, no less. This is basically the kind of thing where you want to think about it and say, okay, this is what makes sense in this given scenario. Alright, like, oh, in other words, I understand why they have a GM Kaya. I understand why they have a Sniper 2. I understand why they have a, you know, GM Customs. And I understand why they're using, you know, GM supply drops as a form of reward because I get these other units from a gameplay perspective. Like, you know, again, like I said up here and I already told you, like, these are the kind of things that you've got to keep in mind is that there's more to come, you know, and, and you really got to look at that more to come as more to come, not a oh, well, this is all I get out of this faction and that's it. Well, at least I can still win with it. You know, um, because the truth is, an Earth Federation player, starting off now, is going to have a tougher time to play up against, like, an experienced Nod player or an experienced GDI player or definitely an experienced Scrim player. Um, you are going to have those complications, and, and no one's denying that. But it, this faction is a work in progress. So, like, for example, you will see this. Um, after we do this installment of the Earth Federation, we're actually going to be moving over to Xeon, you know, seek Xeon. Um, and what will happen is you will, you will then get a, another installment of the Earth Federation. Okay. On top of getting Xeon. So, this is the beauty of how we're actually doing this, okay? Just so you guys know how how this whole system is going to work. Alright? 
you're going to get your Earth Federation in installments, but you're basically going to get Xeon as a whole. That's how this is going to work for you, you know? Um, and, and that's that. I mean, like, that's... I, that, or at least that's the way we're looking at doing it. I mean, what we may do is give Xeon a, a skeleton-type template, like we're doing with the Earth Federation here, in terms of conception and design, and then what we do is we basically, you know, fill it in as we begin other factions, so other factions get into the game, and then we simply just, you know, throw what we need to throw on top of each faction in order to flush them out uh, completely. So, you know, it's an either-or, but we'll just have to wait and see, okay? Um, now, uh, like I said, this Friday, meaning tomorrow, you guys are going to have a live, you know, a live episode. Uh, it will be at 10 p.m. or 10.30 p.m. 10.30 p.m., that means 10, you know, the two dots, the 30, and then p.m. Um, of course, it's going to be Eastern Time. I mean, I don't think that that's anything complicated to know. And, um... It should be a good old time. I don't know if Ryan's going to be there. Like, like what happened last time was this. Uh, I did the episode. I had made the mistakes I had made in it. And then me and Ryan just sat up here and did, like, an episode. I didn't even record the episode. That was so funny. I did, it, Like, me and him sat up here and did, like, a live thing just between the two of us without anybody even there. It was, it was, it was, it was enjoyable. Um, but that's exactly what you're looking at. Okay, so... Um, with that being said, you guys take care. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.